Hi everyone, and welcome to Match Made in Madness, where every episode is a mad but healthy discussion about the anime community. My name is Ken Rye, otherwise known as Rye for short. I am a cosplayer and a professional makeup artist, as well as your resident Bishonen appreciator. And I'm Maya Chino. I'm a freelance interpreter and translator who pretty much games and watches anime for work and lives my days off reading manga. Every episode at Match Made in Madness, we'll be dissecting the nitty gritty on topics such as anime and manga, voice actors and the pop culture convention scene, with the occasional guest sometimes. So come join us on this crazy journey to develop a greater understanding of this amazing community. Just a quick small disclaimer that anything mentioned in this podcast are all unofficial opinions based on our personal experiences and thoughts. Due to this, we will primarily be discussing the Australian scene, but feel free to let us know about your experiences as well. So, so my Yes, yes, yes. Uh, getting right into it today. What what has been happening lately? How have you been? How has everybody been? We're just checking in quickly on everybody today. <laughs> we are, because we were actually discussing how if we record so often, we completely run out of things to do for our small chit chats. Wasn't that right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, we did talk about that. We did talk about that. Because uh, it's lockdowns and like all the restrictions everywhere. There really isn't much we're doing recently. So um, that is very true. But, you know, we've got to keep it fresh, you know. I know. Time. So the one thing we did talk about was, Rai, you've been uh, streaming a fair few games. What have you been into recently? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, we did do the uh, episode four, which was our live special with everybody last time, yeah. which was a lot of fun. And Maya and I are actually thinking of maybe doing that a little bit more often so we can kind of get you mm-hmm. guys involved too. But in terms of streaming, other than that, I've been streaming a lot of uh, Splatoon 2 as usual. I'm really, really into Splatoon 2. Um, and recently, uh, our dear friend Miu got me into, (laughs) um, Apex Legends. So we've been playing that a lot, like a lot. Um, and for me, the other game I've been playing a lot of is, uh, Hades on Switch. I've really been enjoying those few games lately. What about you, Mo? They're all such different games too that you play, right? That's what I enjoy about your streams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I obviously don't stream my gaming, but most of my games has literally been mobile gear. I have been living off mobile game, mobile games, pretty much on a daily basis. Um, I Sai Games just released Uma Musume, I think last month oh. or the month before, and because I'm a horse lover, I have been an avid. Uh, player of Uma Musume Racing Girls, as strange as that sounds. Is that coinciding with the new anime release as well at the same time? Uh, I think it's coincidence. Yeah. By the sound of things, because the game is actually, has been delayed for two, three years. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's pretty good timing. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Like, I think it was just the game was ready and then it just happened to be the same timing as um, the anime, which is actually also a real coincidence also that the Japanese Racing um, Association, so the JRA, which is the group that Sai Games made Uma Musume with, they've actually been revamping all of their like uh, horse racing advertisements and things like that in Japan in uh-huh. the past half a year. So it's everything is happening at the same time for them. So 
it's been a very anticipated game and I've been curious on how they were going to do it for two years and I think it's good that they put it off for two years. The the graphics is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, that's good. Yeah, definitely like a bit more time I find with these kinds of games, especially like mobile games where they're kind of like mm. are pumped out so quickly. A little bit of time and you can tell like the quality is just boosted so much more because obviously the developers have more time to work on it. So yeah, that's... Yeah, like I think we see it more often with TV console games, I should say, mm-hmm. um, where sometimes a developer will push it back so that they make sure all of the elements they wanted to put in the in the game is going to be in there. I think it's a very rare case that we see it with mobile games, but mm. this was one case where the delay was done well. Sure, yeah. two years, but worth the two years. I yeah, think. worth the wait of two years. Yeah, for sure, mm. I can totally get mm. that. Um, what else yeah. has been happening lately? Like, what games have you guys been playing? Like, we'd love to hear. Um, don't forget you can also, you know, tag us or at us on Twitter at MMI Madness, or you can use the hashtag uh, MMI Madness or Match Maiden Madness if you want to share with us what you guys have been into lately. We'd love to hear. Or if you've got any recommendations too. Yeah, yeah, actually, recommendations would be nice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> We, we love, I mean, I know I'm an avid gamer and Mai is also an avid gamer, so we'd love to hear what you guys think as well, for sure. Well, otherwise, I think we'll get straight into it, so... Yeah, absolutely. Guys, you are tuning into episode number eight, and in the spotlight today is questionable fandoms, communities that ward off fans. And yes, that's right, we are opening <laughs> this can of worms, uh, because no matter how much you do like a series, there's always going to be that one fandom that wards us off. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that has been sh- too shocked or scared by a particular fandom or a group of fans that I stayed off uh-huh. until things really, really calmed down, yeah? Oh, I feel that. So... Quickly, just another disclaimer that if we do discuss a particular series, we will focus on how we experienced it as fans rather than the story. However, Ryan and I do get carried away, as you all know, so spoiler warnings, um, we apologise in advance if we do. So I think first experiences then, yes. right? What was the first thing that you noticed with <sighs> communities that you could not um, agree on? with a particular fandom okay okay so so Maya and I usually we write like sort of a set of notes for when we do our recording sessions just so we have something to like kind of refer back to while we're you know chatting to not get so carried away <laughs> and I've got written down here um Vampire Night but quite Ooh. honestly it's probably on par it's probably on par with another series and that is like my favorite like sort of jump series of all time and that would be naruto <laughs> um i feel like the two are kind of on par because like at the height of like those two fandoms it was also around the same time that i started cosplaying so i feel uh... like that might have made it worse i don't know or left a worse impression on me because i had gotten into them like recently and like i, I got into cosplaying because i feel like when it comes to fandoms obviously like cosplay is very heavily involved in fandom and making a fandom so i feel like i felt the full brunt of like the crazy fans you know like and that's not to say that i probably wasn't there at one point and that's not to say that my also probably was maybe there at one point with (laughs) some series (laughs) printed tennis (laughs) 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 but 
Um, you know, like, I think it was just one of those series where there was so many, like, uh, shipping walls. Yeah. Also, for those of you who don't know what a ship is, that refers to a uh, relationship that occurs between two characters. I figured I would throw that terminology out there just in case, uh, I don't know, I'm not up to date with the terms that the kids are using these days. Like, <laughs> are they... <laughs> Yeah, I think ships is the common term at the moment. In my generation, we called them CPs, couplings. So... Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, right? That's the old term I for think, ships. I think, yeah, like couplings, pairings, and shippings. Like, and shippings, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, um, but there were so many, like, ship wars that happened around the main, like, trio. Oh, my as God. As well as... <laughs> Yeah, like for both those series, for Naruto and also Vampire Night, it was just, it was so much to deal with. Like, I could not. I mean, granted, my favorite pairing in Naruto wasn't even part of the main trio. Fair. Just saying, Shikatema for life. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone disagrees with that pairing to Heck be honest yes. like, does anybody actually debate that pairing i'm not sure like mm, i don't think so guys um feel free to like we're gonna keep telling you to hashtag us and let us know because i want to hear from you guys yeah beyond our knowledge is what you guys know so yeah we need yeah. the feedback like so it was it was it was a lot of like team you know uh naruhina mm. and then there was like uh like Sasusaku, but then there was like Sasuhina, which I didn't really understand where that pairing came from. Mm. Not to say I'm hating on it, I just personally didn't understand. And then like uh, Narusaku as well, and I was like, okay, I this is getting a bit much, guys. Just, I <laughs> yeah. It's just I think for me when it when those kind of things happen, it's. Just, I mean, at the time, I probably would have been. I mean, I was a bit younger back in, my, back in the day, but it was still really kind of jarring for me. Mm. It's just like, because in my brain, I'm just like, just let people like what they like. Like, it's not going to, you know, as long as it's not hurting anyone, um, you know, and they're enjoying it and they're happy about it, just leave them be, you know, let them enjoy what they enjoy. That's definitely true. What about for you, Mai? Um, oh God. For me, I think my first experience of like, I kind of kept to myself growing up with anime and manga, primarily because I didn't have a lot of people around me that were into anime and manga. So I kind of lived in my own world and I could do whatever I wanted with my own fandom. And then I hit uni. Mm. And for the first time ever, I was meeting other people who were into manga and anime. And we had an anime club at the uni I went to. And I was a little bit warded off by the Code Geass fans because I didn't know what Code Geass was at the time, but I was being told I had to watch this thing and I had to love it. I wasn't even allowed to say no to it. And I had to ship this particular pairing and I'm just sitting there going, I haven't even watched it and you're telling me this <laughs> why. It's like, I don't even know what this series is about. <laughs> exactly. You're just like, who are these characters? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, the least I knew about Code Geass was that it was being, uh, the artwork is why clamp. End of story. Like, okay, so what else am I meant to know about this thing? Kind of thing. And uh, my university is actually quite famous uh, for singing colours, for singing the uh, the opening of Code Geass. Uh-huh. 
So we were labeled the anime club simply just by the opening song of Code Geass by Throwback. So the song. Yeah, we we can all sing it. We can all sing it. Um, and this was still, again, I hadn't watched a series and I could sing the whole entire opening. So that's what it meant. But, (laughs) um, oh my God, I pretty sure I haven't finished Code Geass to this day because I don't want to be associated with that group. Wow. And if I say this, I'm, I know the people that know the anime club know exactly who I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. So, um, I won't bother naming anybody, (laughs) but, um, Unfortunately, my university was very famous for it. We had a very particular uh, president of the anime club who was famous for it. <laughs> oh, oh, I see, I see. I don't think in Melbourne anyway mm. we experienced anything kind of like that with Code Geass. Oh. Um, there was definitely a bit of a craze, I feel like, for Code Geass back in the day, but like it wasn't that big in Melbourne. Like Melbourne was very, very big on... Um, like the big Shonen Jump series, like Bleach, One Piece. Oh yeah, Bleach. Yeah, yeah. At the time, yeah, it was huge. Like Melbourne was huge. Like you'd see like all the big like captain groups walking around, like a full group. Yeah. It was kind of cool, but like yeah, yeah. Sydney, definitely Sydney and Melbourne are very different kind of fandom groups. Like yeah. it could just be particularly with my um my generation and my university anime club, but this is also the generation, um, the early days of Animania and Smash where they were still doing university tables inside the conventions. Oh. So the anime clubs at universities had a fair bit of, um, what would I say, uh, they inspired a lot of pe- of the fandom that was at the conventions. So... Yeah, <laughs> Code Geass was just, uh, uh, uh. like, this is actually quite similar to the reason why it took me a long time to watch Eva. Right, I uh, have to this day, sorry, um, please cover your ears, Eva fans. I have to this day not watched Eva. That is fair. I am so sorry. Like, I just, it's probably because I haven't watched it, but I really just don't understand the hype behind it. But from what I've heard from friends who are fans, it's either it's kind of one of those really polarizing series where you yeah. like you either like it yeah. or you don't. Like there's kind of no real in between for it. And it's I think it's just probably the characters yeah. have never really kind of caught my eye. Yeah, it's probably that, but I, I still haven't uh, I think I think I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, maybe one day, yeah, maybe one day if the if I completely run out of like mech anime to watch, I will watch it. But even then, it's it's gonna be a struggle for me. That's actually true though, because I didn't watch Eva. I had no need to watch Eva, mm. also because I was warded away from the fandom. Yeah. Um, until we were getting a guest in at Smash. Ah. So that would be it. 2014, we got um the voice actress of Sailor Moon, who's also the voice actress of Misato from Evangelion. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Mitsui's son came along, and if I was going to interpret for her, well, obviously Eva's one of her biggest profiles so I had to watch it so I remember watching it actually I watch it from all the way from about I was I started about like maybe 8 p.m or 10 p.m and I I watched through the whole entire series I binged through it until 4 a.m 
And this is before the movies, the Gekijo Buns came mm-hmm. out. So it was still the TV anime series from the 90s.、Oh. And it was 4 a.m. and I watched the last episode and I just went, You cannot tell me I just wasted eight hours watching this show. Yeah. For this episode. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Eva fans, but I'm sure you all agree with me that that final episode is still a the hell. Like, what the、Oop. hell happened in that last <laughs> episode? Which is why I think everyone's rejoicing the current movies. Here come those boxing gloves. <laughs> I, I'm treading on very dangerous waters here, but I have to say it. Oh my God. Like, give me back my eight hours of my life, please, for watching that. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what I've heard. I'm sorry to be like stepping all over Eva fans at the moment. I promise you, we are having an adult, <laughs> a very civilized discussion. We are not hating by any means. Like I said before, like, please just enjoy what you enjoy.、Yeah. Like, if it makes you happy, enjoy it. But, you know, like, you've got to have that mindset that, you know, Not everybody is, you know, because we are all so different, everybody's kind of taste levels and also sort of tastes in anime are going to be very different、yeah. as well, you know? Like what you find entertaining might not be entertaining for another person. So that's what we're saying. We're not trying to start any fights here.、No. We want to be civil about this because,、uh, yes, I, I mean, we have a lot of things to say. <laughs> I will say one thing I have seen the, the, the movies and I think they are much better quality and they are fantastic and I was impressed by them. But if you're going to put me on the scale of love it or hate it, I'm sort of an undecided person.、Mm. I can't get myself to love it, but it's definitely not a hate because I was impressed by it.、Mm-hmm. I'm undecided.、Mm-hmm. But the TV anime series, especially that last episode, I didn't need that. The rest of it was fine. <laughs> that, that's where I sit with Eva. Yeah.、Um, yeah. But definitely the fandom, though, they, they scared me off、mm. so much that I never felt the need to watch Eva、yeah. until. That happened, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is, I think, a really, really great example of sort of why we are having this, this discussion today and why、mm. we're opening this can of worms today. Because, like, as I said, it can be really、um, sort of jarring and almost confronting for new fans, like, if they want to, you know, dip their toes into the water and get into a series without having, like, You know, very, very true and very diehard fans on their back、mm. about certain things. Like, I mean, coming into just more recent,、um, you know, recent times and more recent anime releases, I guess, like, we've both also experienced kind of some of these、uh, moments, I guess we'll call them. Yeah. As well. My, yeah. Yeah, recently. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> It's been a while though, because we haven't really left the house in a while. But、uh, I think I went into this knowing what the fandom was like, though. So I wasn't warded away from it, but more I knew what to embrace myself for. Was,、um, remember Promare? Yes. Because we had that showing in cinemas in、mm-hmm. Australia. Yeah. Great film. Promare fandom was something I was really wary of when I went to the cinemas. Like, I went towards the last week of the showing of Promare in Sydney, and I wanted to watch it because Miu loved it. And Miu usually has similar tastes to me in anime.、Yeah. And it was hyped and it had really great reviews,、um, regardless of country. And I really was interested to see how Promare was being done. And then I entered the cinemas, and you've got all the fangirls screaming in the、yeah. middle of the cinemas. Yeah. Like. 
as it all happened. And it's it's kind of crazy how quickly that fandom like it just goes to show how quickly a fandom can kind of like happen. Yeah. So to speak. Like Premiere was it's one of those like I mean Trigger, very well known mm-hmm. for their amazing quality of animation, their storytelling, and their originals, as seen with Killer Kill, which is one of my personal favorite series. Um, so it's very, like, you know, they're very well known for that. And mm-hmm. of course, Trigger originally has fans. So Trigger fans originally, like, you know, will already be very, very excited for this. But it's so insane how quickly, you know, fandoms can form and. You know, I feel like I, I I think I got lucky when I went to see Promare. It was like early in the morning. It was kind of at one of the uh, smaller cinemas uh... in my suburb, and I didn't really have to deal with like fans. You know, like fandom fans, so to speak. I just had to deal with people like walking out yeah. of the film, which I think is also very rude. Like <laughs> you paid for it. And why would you walk out? Like, I heard them talking about, like, oh, I didn't know this is an animated film. And I'm like, mm. bro, it says it's an animated film at the front desk. <laughs> like, I just, oh, man. I am, like, I equally wanted to laugh. Oh, my God, that's the like, stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I saw these people walk out and I was like. And they were muttering to themselves as they walked past me, like, oh, I didn't know this is an anime film. Like, oh, I wasn't, you know, I didn't sign up to watch a cartoon. And I was like. Well, that's what everybody else in this cinema signed up for, but okay. Sorry, got to um, break off topic, but that sounds like the people who walked out of Detective Pikachu. Oh, gosh. They went in expecting a Pokemon film, and they were like, I didn't realize this was going to be like real yeah. walks out. And I'm like, ah! I'm like, guys, please do your research. What did you expect you out of Detective Pikachu? Have you not seen the commercials? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Uh, yeah, so... So it was that. Yeah. Um, What about you? For me, my most recent um, encounter would be, look, this is a series I also really like and quite enjoyed when it first came out, but I have definitely distanced myself from it a little bit because of the fans. And that is My Hero Macadamia. Like, (laughs) My Hero Academia. Like, yes, that was... Was that on purpose to show your disapproval? Um, (laughs) What can I say? Look, I have to tell you guys about this experience. And I know my, uh, you know, Sid team, Sid fam from the FGO booth. I know. Please do take a shot of water uh, while you guys are listening to this because this is another time I have mentioned my fabulous team and friends. I love them so much. God bless. Um, But... This was at the beginning, so they know what I'm talking about because they were also there for this. Um, uh, beginning of 2020, so right sort of before the pandemic really uh, affected conventions and really hit hard, um, before we kind of all knew what we were getting ourselves into, at the beginning of 2020 in March, we did our um, uh, Sydney Anime Festival and uh with madman bless and uh for opening day the the crowds were getting really really big and they couldn't kind of contain them within the space that we were supposed to contain them in before they could be let into the convention hall so 
we heard an announcement while we were inside because we'd already set up. We were just kind of like, you know, making last minute adjustments, going through a bit of a briefing and then, you know, to, you know, wait for the convention to open. And then they ended up opening the doors early. Yes. And because our booth was situated in front, directly in front of an exit door, Mm. um, they had already put the labels and everything up we thought we were going to be okay. Like, you know, the fans are only going to come in through one way and then we'll be right. But then they opened the exit door also. And I think it was just to get through some of the traffic that was like blocking up the hallways outside. Sure. Okay. Yeah. To let the fans in early. I don't know. But uh, what happened was I was like, all right, guys, like, you know, get ready, man your stations. We're going to have people coming in. And then literally it's like, as soon as the doors open, sorry, I'm giving my visual guys. Like as soon as the doors open, it was just like the floodgates had opened and then just like oh. in rushed like this massive crowd of like, I want to say 13, 14 year old kids all dressed up in like my hero academia, yeah. Boca Hero mm. cosplay. Like running in screaming their heads off and like some of them you can hear like screaming like plus ultra and i was like holy shit like everybody get back like get back i was like guys brace yourselves it was it was a lot and i feel like that's not the first time i've sort of experienced um i guess this kind of um enthusiasm from (laughs) this particular fandom um i know in melbourne i think it was a couple years back on one of the reddit forums or something a few artists yeah were actually complaining from artist alley that there was a bunch of uh my hero academia cosplayers like kids younger younger cosplayers that were just running around screaming their heads off within the artist alley what yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about this from a couple of artist friends. Um and it was just very disrespectful, like they very should be with parents. Unwarranted and kind of yeah, I don't know where the parents were, honestly. Uh that's what I would like to know too. But that's what I heard and it's just since then it's just left a really sort of bad taste in my mouth, like when, when people refer to the fandom for My Hero Academia, hence why I have distanced myself from this fandom. Yeah. Not to say I don't like the series. Like, I really, really enjoy the series and I think it's a really fun series. But it's just um, sometimes the, the um, you know, reputation of the fans kind of precedes the I'm series. I'm totally with you. A like, it's bit. such a shame. Like, you have a great series and you just really want to enjoy it and actually encourage fandom for that particular series. Yeah. And then you get, like, a group of people who just, they're either rude or just don't care about other people or I don't know what it is with them. They're so carried away by being fans of this particular series they don't actually think about what it means to be fans anymore like they've gone beyond what a fan should yeah, be and yeah. that can really ruin it for people and those people that they're like warding off might actually be fans mm. or might be people who's looking into being fans and they've just ruined the series for those people yeah and i agree like i agree it it really is just sort of you know, these, I guess, uh, instances where, you know, we really have to take a step back and be like, okay, do I really want to be a part of this? And, Mm. you know, will I still be able to enjoy myself if I am a part of this? So, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, the rushing in with doors, I, I think it's interesting how every convention has a group of people that are like that, uh, and they're all and... a slightly different crowd. Smash is the signing tickets. Oh, signing like tickets, yeah. people who are rushing in yeah. to get the signing tokens. Yeah. So, like, the number of times that I have had to just, you know, being a staff of Smash in, my, in particular as well, is just yelling at people to stop running. Like, yeah, because... At that point, it becomes like an OHS hazard. Like, you know, it, it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. It's a hazard for everybody who's involved and also potential staff or other, you know, people on the f- exhibition floor that are there to help with the convention, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, um, it's kind of sad to see. I'm not going to lie. It's it's a bit sad mm. that I mean I get the excitement. Like, believe me, like Maya and I are people who understand how excited you know, you could be for, you know, conventions because it is an mm. exciting time. It's a it's a time to go see your friends. You can see guests. There's lots of things happening um, and you want to, you know, go meet your favorite artists. Like there's tons of things to do at conventions. But like at the end of the day, it's, it's really hard not to let like a small instance, you know, of encountering, uh, you know, fandoms i'm gonna say fandoms Mm. like not necessarily fans but like you know fandoms who who can be like that or who have fans who are like that um where it starts becoming almost a dangerous situation for everybody involved it really does like it's to a certain degree it is up to the event organizers to ensure that it's crowd That's control true. or you know in the case of smash if there are signing ticket token collection places like people aren't if they're deciding to run they aren't going to be running through areas that are um have fragile items or they should be really careful there's no um places where you can't see around the corner that that should all be taken into account and ohs taken into account but um do have respect for other con goers and other people who are also there to have fun it's everybody's going to trying to have fun not just you it can't all just be about you i understand the excitement it is to make sure you're not missing out or anything or you want to be the first in line or you want to experience this first or maybe the stage you want to go to is on the other end of the entrance other side to the entrance Mm -hmm. just there are other people there as well who are also trying to be safe there also might be there might be artist alley people who actually have items on their table that they've spent hundreds of of dollars that they're selling and one break means that's $20 down the drain that they're never going to get back. Yes, yes Something yes. like that. I've seen people lose their phones. Oh, my gosh. The number of smartphones that you see dropped and trampled yeah, all over trampled conventions over. Yeah, too. Yeah. Like, please, please, please stay safe and for mm. each other as well. As well, It's about yeah. having fun together as a con community. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like... I I completely agree with what Mai said that it's just, you know, and that's also part of the reason that we're kind of breaking into this can of worms today is not only to talk about, you know, fandoms that, you know, might be jarring for you to even step into, but also some of the misconduct and um, Mm. 
that that kind of comes along with it sometimes, unfortunately. And as unfortunate as it is, I think it's really important to discuss this and recognize that it it is and it can be an issue in the in the convention community and space. Um, you know, like I said, we're all there to have fun at the end of the day, and it's just that idea of making sure that whether it's you know mentally or physically. Um, a safe space for everyone to be in and to enjoy. It's it's not going to become like, especially for fandoms that are very notorious for having people who gatekeep oh. them. Oof, let's get into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That, yeah, you know, and I've definitely had my fair share of experiencing fandoms that are like that, um, that fans are very, very protective of, uh, you know, the canon or certain characters Mm. and they really really are like you know it's this way and no other way like you know and it ends up being you know a breeding ground for a lot of toxicity and um you know ostracizing like ostracizing people that i really don't think should be happening in a convention space like in a community that is already you know even though it's more mainstream now that is and has always been a little bit more on the niche side so we should be there looking out for each other you know what i mean like weebs looking out for weebs i totally hear me (laughs) no i'm with you here here right here here (laughs) yeah like going off from my experience with code gas like when you have someone who pretty much goes have you seen Cody Gas do you like this pairing why not this is the pairing you should be going after or you haven't seen this um, series yet great here's my laptop we're gonna watch it now see these couple this is who you should be shipping and if you don't ship them there's something wrong with you like if you get someone like that in your face that's obviously going to ruin a series for somebody who may or may not already be a fan of that particular series. Like, yeah, it really does put people off. Like, having said that, it's not saying that Rye and I don't have our favourite ships or our favourite pairings. In my case, I don't particularly have any. I'm pretty open and I'm willing to just take in everybody's opinions. But (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Um, But, you know... That's also our opinion. We're allowed to not have a particular pairing that we're not strongly attached to. Um, that kind of thing. You know, like, you know, as Rai called me out earlier, I was in the Prince of Tennis fandom. Like, I cannot say with full confidence that I wasn't an in-your-face fan at one particular point, but I know I'm a minority because I kind of kept to myself a lot of my times. Um, that includes a period I was deep and, you know, neck deep into Prince of Tennis, but... Prince of Tennis itself had a lot of pairing wars. A lot of pairing wars. Boy, can I imagine. It's a, it's a, it's a, for one, it's a sports anime. <laughs> well, not sports. Well, it is a sports anime, but it's a sports series, uh, which is very self-explanatory. I'm not going to say any more than that. <laughs> we are kind of, the Prince of Tennis fandom is kind of the start to the really strong um, shipping wars and big fandom wars in um, sports anime. So that's what I mean, but I'm pretty sure that I can't confidently say that I wasn't one of those fans. But I do know for sure that the one thing I never did was force my ships, because I didn't have any, onto another person. 
I embraced all shippings. There's a couple that were completely, oh, I can't stand these for my particular reasons because it didn't make sense to me because the characters had no common ground with each other. So I don't know how you can mm-hmm. ship them in the first place. But um, that didn't mean I was going to completely diss somebody for their actual tastes. Yeah, like yeah, that I yeah. was very careful of because I wanted more people to like the series that I was into. So if that meant I had to shut up about my ships every now and then so that I could introduce this world to somebody and make sure they find their own favorite character, I'd do that because I'd respect their own space. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like, you know, I'm also pretty, like, you know, open to accepting you know shipping characters and whatnot whichever way I think it's just sometimes I might not necessarily understand because I don't really see the connection or whether those characters have met before so it doesn't make sense in my brain but it's always interesting to hear like how other people came to be like you know we are shipping these characters together so um but you know like no one likes anything forced upon them so we're gonna you just gotta like and obviously like myself like you know I can't deny that at one point maybe I was also you know part of a fandom like that but you know you learn and grow you learn and grow and that's that's the that's the best thing that you can do honestly in a situation like this like I'm gonna open up the conversation of fate here as well because we in particular are like huge fate you know fans and like we're avid fate fans who like try and encourage people to be part of fate but I'm I'm pretty sure both Ryan and I can be certain to say that we get excited and we might get really loud and excited and I don't know um Hmm. uh our body language becomes very excessive when it comes to passionately talking about fate because that's what we love but we I'm pretty sure there are moments we know when to stop and we know when enough is enough yeah yeah like being passionate and being like very enthusiastic about the fandom is one thing but then taking that too far to a point where you start to sort of like try to push your ideals on other people is another thing and you definitely don't want to do that because you know you could potentially be losing out you know on someone who could be a friend um who could share the same interests as you because of that intensity and like just in general people sometimes don't deal well with intensity like that you have to kind of learn how to read the room or uh you know know when you need to calm down a little bit and you know just kind of enjoy it you know <laughs> enjoy it i can feel because it can be judged at the moment <laughs> i yeah it's okay same my i feel like i'm calling myself out as i'm talking about this but like yeah fate is really really a good good um series to talk about because my and i you guys all know are huge fans of this franchise um and of course we have our own ships also in this franchise mm-hmm. but you know like i'm not going to be pushing that upon anybody uh i i enjoy my ships for my own enjoyment like i don't want to be pushing that on anybody or you know forcing them to like i'm not going to force my friends to watch fate if they're not into it you know like it's it just like they wouldn't be able to enjoy it for what you enjoy it for do you know what i mean yeah. if, if, if we're talking it like about it like that like 
it's it's always I always love a sort of hearing like first time stories about anime series or how people first came upon the series or what they thought of when they first watched yeah. it. And that's always something really, really special. And same for same goes for for games as well and you know meeting friends or you know first time convention experiences so like don't let your enthusiasm and passion kind of take that away for someone else is kind of what mm. i'm trying to get at because it can be a little bit like that sometimes like where you know person meets another person you know very very excited and it's like whoa here are all the things you need to know about fate and blah blah like and these are the characters you need to ship and these are the per like these are the most important characters and you don't have to care about anybody else because this is the most important character and they're like whoa this is a lot like i i don't even know what fate is you know like <laughs> i have a really good analogy for this like if you are someone who's like probably around my height so I'm about I'm under 150 centimeters guys so I'm not that tall and you get this giant say Saint Bernard dog who is just so excited to see you and he just comes along and jumps all over and knocks you over um a, a, a Saint Bernard on its hind legs standing up is taller than me 150 like centimeters like a lot taller than that and he's also probably four times heavier than I am so if he's gonna come up and enthusiastically throw himself at me because he's just so excited to see me I think I'm going to die like no joke so someone actually said that analogy to me and that's what it's like to have like a very overly enthusiastic fandom come hit at you in the face so <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I mean, Maya and I, we've, we've written, so we've written down a couple of things of like, in terms of um, particular fandoms that have stood out to us. Please feel free as well, guys, to uh, comment on this or, you know, tag us, you know, hashtag MMI Madness or hashtag Match Made in Madness. Or you can add mm -hmm. us on Twitter as well at MMI Madness. Um, you know, whether you agree or disagree, because these are sort of like uh, the fandoms we notice definitely um, in our time. God, we said. <laughs> so about a decade back now. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> and also, if there are other like experiences that you've had you'd like to share, please um, tag us and let us know as well. Having said that, though, keep in mind to be um, well aware that we're having a healthy debate. We're yes. not encouraging an argument. So when you are sharing your ideas, please don't just throw hate. Please actually, you know, give us an explanation or try and be as neutral as possible, informative as possible to tell us yeah. how it felt for you rather than uh, bagging out the series itself or bagging out a particular fandom itself. It's it's the experience we'd like to share here. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, so what have I got written down here? I've got written down Kuro Shitsuji. What have we not mentioned already? Oh! Black Butler. Uh. Oi! <laughs> this was a... <laughs> I think you experienced this more than I did because of a generational thing. It was yes. bigger for your generation than it was for me. Because yes. for my generation, it was just more about look at all the pretty clothing. Yes. Okay. So for me, because I feel like uh, this is around the time I started cosplaying. It'd been a couple of years since I started cosplaying. So I was also in the, wow, look at all this pretty clothing. And like, damn, I really love like, you know, her art style. But mm -mm -mm. it was just, 
there's I think this specifically relates a lot to the cosplayers in the fandom as well but I feel like sometimes with cosplayers and I know this applies I'll, I'll talk about it in a second but um cosplayers like the idea obviously is to embody a character you know and dress up like them but I feel like sometimes when cosplayers get very very excited it starts to the line starts to blur in between like whether it's them embodying the character or just being a complete dickhead you know like it kind of <laughs> I, can, I, don't, I think D we might word. have to bleep that out, Just but like, chuck it in it, there. That's that's pretty much like it's pretty much what it is because the same goes. So the character specifically I'm talking about is Grell Sudcliffe. In oh Black right, Butler, which uh. wow, so notorious basically for being one half of Jack the Ripper. Low key spoilers in the series, um, but that kind of like psychotic death reaper like vibe that the character gave off i feel like a lot of people who cosplayed him really didn't know or either they were too excited like how to differentiate like what is you know what should be kept as cosplay and role play mm. to what should have been kept as you know IRL and being a decent human being mm, and mm. the character I wanted to compare this to the analogy I wanted to compare this to is the character uh, Deadpool who is oh, notorious okay. for being kind of um, polarizing again in terms of like a character type and his personality to cosplayers who cosplay them IRL and then go on to be just rude. <laughs> yeah. just, I have no other word to say, but rude. Yeah. Just go on to be really rude, kind of intrusive um, and in your face about certain things. Like when some people are not into that, like everybody cosplays for a different reason. For me at this point in time, like I like cosplaying, because I like making clothes and the artistic side of it, um, that artistic interpretation side of it. I have long moved on from my competitive days where acting was also involved, but some people are still very much into acting um, and, you know, embodying that character in that sense. So for that particular series, I think that was one of the things I really just wanted to step back from and kind of not mm. want to relate to the fandom in that sense. Like I was almost uh, not ashamed, but ashamed to be seen with people like that in the fandom because it's kind of like secondhand embarrassment. Like mm. you're trying to enjoy the fandom as, you know, with your friends or whatever, as best to your ability. And, you know, you want people to see how amazing the fandom is, but then you just have those instances where it's, it puts other people off mm, so they don't mm. end up exploring the fandom, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually interesting you brought the cosplay community up because um, that was one thing I was always curious about when I started cosplaying is in, like, Australia and America, so I'm going to um, stereotype and say the West for this particular case, compared to cosplay scenes in particular in Asia is completely different where 
um, cosplayers in the West kind of are expected to act their character, expected to role play their character. Whereas in Asia, we only role play for the photos. So every other time we tend to be just ourselves. And I think that's where you're coming from, where we grew up in Australia, where that was role playing your character when cosplaying was a normal, was a norm. And then um, people didn't know where to fine line what was role play and what was yeah like kind of draw the line yeah Yeah. exactly so i always thought that was interesting like it's very much a western society thing because of the way cosplay is expected in that society compared to an asian society where we don't do any of that in japan or hong kong or um i know china and korea things like that so yeah 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 i think it, it also comes down to um I guess in terms of like freedom of expression, like Asians and I know from like just myself and my family as well are a little bit more reserved of, and, and have that idea of kind of keeping face. Mm. Um, whereas I, I'm very jealous of people who can like openly express themselves like that because I sometimes find it really hard to, but I feel like that's where the difference is with, like you said, for the Western community, like, we are very we are using these terms very generally, guys, so please please don't take any offense from this. But um where where I think the focus in the Western community is definitely more on that um role play rather than mm. costume sometimes. I know like um sort of for the older gen of cosplayers, myself included, um <laughs> it's so weird to say that now, but uh, we definitely also focus more on exuding the character in photos rather yeah. than fully embodying the character in person, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Like, probably because I'm that type of cosplayer as well. Definitely, that makes more sense to me. But obviously, for some people, um, it's that's not what cosplay is. It includes yeah. the act. It includes yeah. being the character in body. So, um yeah just uh obviously some people do it well they know where to draw the line when role plays goes too far but obviously some people are still trying to find that balance of when too far is too far yeah yeah definitely yeah have you got any other series that you can think of like i think i've pretty much talked about most of this series um i don't know my we've got a pretty big list here (laughs) yeah i know right Wait, wait, okay, now that I looked at the list. Um, yeah, now that you've looked at the list, there's a huge list, girl. Um, so we, I don't know, one of maybe one of the ones that you want to talk about, because I feel like I've been talking, like, for most of this podcast so far. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I think I got to the point where I kind of shut myself off from the fandoms, like, warding me off. Like, I, I feel engross that. myself in this series, regardless of what the fans say. A lot of the times, I get into the fandom... Before the bad fandoms make themselves. So Uh Prince of Tennis is actually... I'm going to go back to this one because it's a good point. I started Prince of Tennis before it became an anime, which meant it before the bad fandoms started building. So I'm one of the original fans because I used to play tennis and I like tennis. So I come from a slightly older generation of fans. Um, And that was the same as Naruto. I watched it before the the bad fans started especially because you know naruto started in an era when we anime was not that popular in the west 
or it was still getting big in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other one we got on the list that's really similar to this is Kuroko no Basuke I purposely did not touch. Now, I have a different reason why I didn't touch though, okay? I oh, just... I just came out of printer tennis. I'm not going down another hole of sports anime. Fair. Okay, fair. Most people who graduated from printer tennis, I use that term loosely because printer tennis is technically speaking still going, they went straight to Kuroko no Basuke to relive that um, that, that, that fandom um, community. And I didn't want to go down this really, really deep hole that I already dug myself for printer tennis. And I was still kind of moping over the fact that it like it just finished. So I stayed well away from Kuroko no Basuke. So I actually have no idea about Kuroko no Basuke. Okay, well, good thing you don't because I definitely do. <laughs> um, so um, for, uh, yeah, for Kuroko, um, I was definitely involved heavily in that fandom. I wouldn't say I, it was, but it was more so within a certain group of friends that I knew. Mm. Um, but I was, I would say pretty heavily involved in that fandom. It wasn't definitely to a point. I feel like for me, I've always been the type to, you know, cause, cause for me, like, I know for me, it can be really overwhelming when people push certain things upon me, like, uh, you know, their ships, whatever, like not just relative to the anime community, but also just, you know, in life in general. Mm. So I am not the type to be pushing things on other people in that way. So I feel like I avoided probably the brunt of the fans who are like that. Like, you (laughs) definitely, like, I mean, look, as a cosplayer, you definitely come across everyone in the fandom because you're cosplaying a character from the series. So naturally, people who like the series will gravitate towards you because you are a physical representation of their favorite character or or, or someone from their favorite series. Um. So I don't, yeah. So like coming across those fans, it's it's really sometimes hard to have a conversation with them because you yeah. have to sort of take a step back and kind of distance yourself a little bit in that way so that, you know, they don't get a chance to start pushing things upon you, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad because like, I just, I just want to enjoy, you know, like, like my said, like for, for sort of this, you know, for my generation of cosplayers, it's very much about sort of exuding the character in photos, but Mm. not necessarily being the character the entire day at a convention. Because can you imagine how tiring that would be? Like having to, you know, especially if you're like, I don't know, maybe cosplaying Deku. Like imagine you having to be super ganky (laughs) and very, very excited for like a 12 hour convention day. Like I would be just, just thinking about it makes me exhausted. (laughs) But like, I like cosplaying because that's how I made most of my friends and I cosplay to hang out with my friends, you know? I dress Mm. up, go to the convention to catch up with my friends. That's what I do. (laughs) You know, 
because we talked about ships and we're talking about cosplay now. You know the one other thing, like group of fandoms that do put off, especially the young ones who's coming into the convention scene and they're trying to mm. get their um their feel of what a convention's like. It's mm. the people who find the characters that they ship and make cosplayers do a particular oh. pose for that ship. Oh my god, I like, have a really funny story about that. Oh, go for it, go for it, go for it. No, I don't have a lot of stories to tell. I just I'm know that it just sure, puts people off. I'm pretty sure I've told you and Miu this before, though. Okay. So I would have been about, like, 14 years old at the time. And uh, I went to – I attended a Supernova Melbourne. Mm. Uh, I can't remember when it was, but um, – I was cosplaying with one of my friends that day and I went as like, cause that was around the time where like Naruto Shippuden was starting to like roll out in the anime mm. and like everybody was kind of losing their minds over the time skip and how good everybody, everyone looked and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, you know, the first time skip for Naruto. <laughs> and then, um, so I decided that year that I was going to go as Sasuke, like Shippuden Sasuke, the first outfit, you know, the white, um, with the, the 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 blue wrap around and yep. the, the Orochimaru yep. rope, yeah, I thought that was what I would do. And uh, this is back in the day, so I did not have a wig on. I was I cut my own hair, so I had butt length hair before this, <laughs> and I chopped it all off. Oh my god! For a duck butt haircut, I don't know why I did this. It was a bad idea at the time, and it would still be a bad idea now. I highly do not. All recommend. that hair you sacrificed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I didn't think much of it because I was like, yeah, I want to cosplay and I'm going to look cool doing it. (laughs) Fair. Needless to say, my mother wasn't very happy, but it was fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor my mom. And um, my friend, she went as uh, Naruto doing, you know, Shippuden version. And we were just kind of like, and this is like the time at conventions where if you saw any like Death Note cosplayers, like a light and L would be handcuffed together. Like oh, this is, this is those convention days. Yeah, this is, so if anybody listening in is kind of around the same age group as mine myself, like this was those convention days. Mm. Anyway, we were walking around at the convention, you know, just kind of chilling, like doing our own thing and like looking at stalls. And then these, um, I guess girls came up to us. They're probably a bit older than us, but one of them was carrying a paddle. And you definitely know where this is going. (laughs) So they don't allow them at conventions anymore. But back in the day, um, in the community, we had these things called yaoi paddles. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm talking about this on the podcast. But so basically what they are is like a short, think of like a boat oar, but they're like a shorter version of that. So like, like if you had a baseball bat, but like one end of it was flat and kind of wider and uh, it would have uh, either, I think, seme on one side and uke on the other side, usually, Mm. usually. And basically the idea is if you get handed one of those, you basically uh, the you know the semi holds one side, the semi holds it and smacks whoever's yeah. Anyway, 
Yeah. yeah you guys, I wish you could see Mai's expression right now. <laughs> I'm totally unimpressed. What are you teaching kids? My God. Have I'm some teaching respect. them. I'm teaching them about the history, the dark history <laughs> of conventions, which they need to know. <laughs> okay. Anyway, kids, uh, sit tight. There's, 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 there's a, there's a light at the end of this really, really dark hole that we've dug ourselves into. <laughs> um, so I would have been literally like 14 at the time, and I got handed one of these, and I didn't know at the time what it was for or what it was. Um, until I told, I think a friend later on, like a few years later when I was a bit older and, and she was like, oh yeah, you got handed a yaoi paddle. I'm like, what the fuck is a yaoi paddle? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I got handed one of those, didn't know what to do with it. So there is this photo of me and my friend out there somewhere. I'm pretty sure these girls still have this photo. Maybe, I don't know, of like me standing there awkwardly and like looking into the camera and just holding this paddle up while my friend is standing next to me like doing a hand sign like a a shadow clone jutsu essentially (laughs) yes you're doing a shadow clone hand sign (laughs) (laughs) totally didn't know what you were doing oh wow you trolled them without even meaning to troll them (laughs) And they looked really confused at me, but they still snapped a photo anyway. And they were like, thanks for the photo. And I was like, here you go. Like little old 14 year old me just hands this paddle back to them, not knowing what I got myself into. My God. Yeah. I wasn't judging you though, right? I was judging those girls oh, no, doing that's okay. that. Like, yeah, that's okay. What do you that's okay. do at these conventions? Like, thank you to have a good time. Yeah. Don't. Don't brainwash them. They probably would have been maybe like 17, 18. They were much older than They're us. old enough to know what they were doing is bad. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it was, yeah, that was a funny experience. <laughs> like, I think it's funny now, but looking back at it, that was probably not that funny. Yeah, that's true. Um, but relating back to my, before we get off topic too much, you know, of like when a fan yeah, know, yeah, yeah. sees uh, characters that they like, they'll usually ask for photos and that is how this story came about. Like, I think if the cosplayers are okay with it or actually understand what's going on so you can explain it to them as fine. Like, I think if you have consent, that's perfectly fine. But don't take advantage of the innocent, number one, (laughs) like Rai and a friend. And if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. Don't force it on them. Mm, Like, they're there to have a good time with their cosplay, yeah. Like... Yeah, <laughs> it 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 happens yeah, so much. Like, I if I was the cosplayer, I wouldn't mind. So if you have any, you know, if you see me at a convention at a cosplay and you find another cosplayer who's like the ship, I'm happy to do that for you. But if I see someone else asking another cosplayer who obviously doesn't know what's going on and they're trying to force them to do those kind of poses, I'm going to stop them because it it yeah. doesn't need to be there. Like. You you need to talk yeah, to people who know what they're doing to get consent. It's 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 unnecessarily an intrusion. Yeah. Um Yeah, and, and especially if you know, the cosplayers aren't aware of what they're doing or, you know, don't feel comfortable with doing what you're asking, then 
you know, you should just take that graciously and be like, okay, I'm sorry, I apologize. Um, you know, and that that's the end of it. Yeah. You know? Like, don't don't be forcing people out of their comfort yeah. zone. Because I know people who have actually gone and said, I don't want to cosplay ever again because these people were forcing me to do these poses and I had no idea what I were doing, but they were giggling and laughing and taking photos. That's a bit of a nightmare experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. And no one should have to experience anything like that. So it's all about, you know, boundaries and knowing when you might have crossed the line for these kinds of things. Yeah. Have you got anything else? So we just talked about Kuroko on a bus. Yeah. Have you got anything other series that you've got? Um, Well, we do have a pretty extensive list there, but the next thing I wanted to talk about is actually like a really generalization of particular fandoms and this kind of relates to also just um i guess in general just anime in general or games in general but like a huge i guess fandom or following for a lot of series includes like the bl and gl shippers yeah like the the fans who are into bl and gl doesn't matter whether canonically the characters are you know, or identify. This is this is like opening a very big can of worms, yeah. but like I feel like it, it's necessary to be talked about. But regardless of whether the character themselves, um, whether it's in their official profile that they identify as, you know, LGBTQIA plus or not, um, there are a lot of fans who like to ship everyone in which way um based on sort of the context within the story and kind of the background story and dynamic between the two characters, which I think is totally fine. But I feel like it's very intense for these two particular fandoms, like to an unhealthy degree. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. I totally agree with that. Like, uh, I'm going to bring up Prince of Tennis again because there are a couple of ships in Prince of Tennis that are obviously straight. Like, it's official. But when you get a fan who comes along and goes, no, I don't, I disagree with the official ships. It should be this because BL is it. And I'm just sitting there going, um, I don't disagree with your opinion either, but that's too much. That's too far. Yeah, actually, now that you bring that up, I have another point to add to that where I think recently, last year, there was an anime that was released. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's about the uh, short, rich guy with the detective that Mama was in. Oh, I don't know the title anymore, but I know what you mean. We need Miu here. Um, (sighs) Mama related. Uh, Wait, let me... Uh, we are both heavily looking this up. Let me, let me just, we just, I can't remember. See this, uh, this is, uh, this is the one I didn't watch because, because of this thing that happened inside the fandom. Um, last year, right? So 2020, ah, yes. Okay. There we go. We found it. Fugo Keiji. That's the that's the series. Oh my goodness. There was a whole ass thing on the internet. Like this blew up and like not in a good way. Okay. Um so as Mai was saying about Prince of Tennis where there is, you know, an official canonical 
straight shipping, like heterosexual shipping between two characters. Um, the other main character in Fugo Keiji has a fiance in the anime. Daisuke. Oh, name. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has yeah. a fiance in the series who happens to be voiced by Sakamoto Maya, who's a waifu. Um, <laughs> but there were so many fans that were just adamant that no, this is not it. We're here to ship the two main characters and like for all we care this other you know character can die or whatever and then like it was a lot and i don't it's it's really far it was taken way too far to a point where it was just kind of insanity like i was looking onto that and i was like that was actually a series i really wanted to watch because uh mamoru miyano is in it and i enjoy his works and the synopsis, like, you know, seemed really good and kind of, like, funny to me. Like, that it would be something that I would be into that was kind of chaotic and stupid. Um, but just seeing the fans online that and the fandom online that was kind of on a warpath about this whole argument, I was just like, no, you know what? I don't want to get involved in that. Like, I, I'm just not. It really just turns you off from watching certain series. Like, it's those particular instances where you just go, you take a step back and then you run far, far away from this fandom. Yeah. Like, sometimes I get confused. I'm going to open a can of worms with you, right? We're going to go pretty deep with this. Like, I get really confused sometimes with this society where we, in real life, we encourage um the LB... Um, LBGTQ community and how everyone's allowed to have their own stance and their own identity and then the moment we get into 2D anime we're no longer allowed to have heterosexual relationships yeah like which I and I understand how important representation is because clearly I'm like part of the LGBTQIA plus community and I identify as Mm. such um, for those of you who didn't know, but it's just, <sighs> and I get why there can be a backlash sometimes because there is a lack of that representation still in the anime industry and still in kind of just the world in general, but we are yeah. slowly getting there. We are slowly getting there, but that doesn't mean that we have to backlash in a way that is exactly like how um people prior have sort of marginalized the lgbtqia community you know like don't fight fire with fire that's that's kind of what i'm seeing at the moment so like i get that people can be really passionate about their bl and gl pairings i get that because sometimes like in in certain contexts within a story between certain um, characters, Mm. it's really hard not to just read the context and be like, oh, there is something more to this relationship. But, you know, if it's been confirmed, it's not saying you can't enjoy that, you know, fantasy and, you know, of that relationship. Mm. It just... You know, you just should be able to respect the fact that canon says otherwise. 
Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. So, like, I think... I, I don't... Like, I'm not a, a person who cares if it's a BL shipping or a HET shipping or a GL shipping or anything like that, but when you do get strong backlashes of someone who is not willing to budge or be open-minded, it can put you off. And it did happen to me even in some of my most favourite series, unfortunately. So it's a shame when that does happen because it does ward off people who already enjoy that fandom or want to be more involved with that fandom yeah 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 because yeah. i think you said something about love live as well okay love life i <laughs> i feel like i'm gonna offend a lot of people by saying this look i at one point was also very heavily involved in love life not necessarily the cosplaying side of it but i really really enjoyed the mobile game I'm a liver, guys, so um, it's okay. Um, Rai's not offending me when she says all yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I was also a love lifer at one point because I enjoyed the music. It was cute. Like, I'm not usually into idol things like that or, like, especially female idol groups. I'm not really into that. But, like, I, I just really, really um, enjoyed kind of the vibes the community gave off and same mm. with the, the cosplayers until a certain point. Um, and then, you know, it was like very positive and the game was fun, you know, like I will appreciate games that are fun, but it kind of went downhill really fast for me. It just became a point where it was just always in my face, you know, and people were always in my face about it. Um, and it became just yeah, sort of fair. the default question to ask at conventions. Like, you know, are you into love life? And I'm like, look. Not so much anymore. Because <laughs> I feel like even though you are involved in the fandom, sometimes the fandom can also affect you in that same way, which is negatively because you are so exposed to those types of fans so often. Yeah. 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 It really sort of, it, it almost makes you start losing the love you have for that fandom, you know, in a way. It's funny you mention Love Life because it's actually very specific to the Australian fandom scene. Love Life is ridiculously huge in Australia that asking if someone likes Love Life as the first question when you find out someone is also a weeb is an Australian thing. It's actually not that big anywhere else. Mm, yeah, I don't know why. It's like some of the fandoms that take Australia. We do know why. Storm. What are you talking about? Well, that's true. <laughs> and you guys will yeah. also find out next week why. <laughs> A little teaser yes. there, a little teaser. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> we won't say too much more on that. <laughs> no. But I can, I can see where you're coming from, though, because, you know, like, uh, again, this is after I kind of shut myself out from making sure fandoms don't ward me away from particular series. So I was a liver. I cosplay f- um, Love Live. I can do some of the dances. I karaoke them. I absolutely love the, um, especially the first content of Love Live, so we're talking Muse. I absolutely love them. Um, uh, and I followed Aqua as well to a certain degree. I've gone to the lives. Um, I watched the, the, the delayed screenings. I was fully involved. And um, But the even then, there are people who were a bit too in my face, and I'm a fan. So I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. 
I don't think it also helped the fact that um, in the Australian convention scene in particular, practically everybody was doing a love live group and yep. every cosplay competition had a love live group. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, doesn't help at all. That doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. It just got to a, it just sort of gets to a point where it becomes like sort of almost overdone and kind of really in your face that you just start to turn away from it because you see it so often. Yeah, very much, very much. Mm. Yeah, any other ones that you can think of? Well, I mean, you actually brought this up, my, but you were, I remember when we were talking, like, before we were recording this, like, this also, it doesn't just extend to fandoms of, like, series or uh, games, yeah. but it also extends to, sort of, fans of, uh, cosplayers and also voice actors by extension so talent fans of talent as well yeah i think definitely this is something i've noticed being part of the guest team at smash and anime festival um where apparently excessive fans um don't happen just for anime itself but it actually happens for real people like i know we all know crazy fans of that actor over there or that model over there but there's just something about the anime convention community and being overexcited about um the guest cosplayers or voice actors that is very interesting um like the, the one thing you have to understand is excessive fandoms do affect these guests that we bring over from mm. Japan as well. Like, in particular, a couple of them have actually noted to me that um, they've had excessive fans practically either reach out to them and grab them or oh, practi- uh, with the cosplayers, um, like we were talking about, you know, um, the innocent being exposed. Like, these fans would walk up to this famous cosplayer and demand they do this particular pose or say these particular lines because that's the co- the character they're cosplaying. Or um, uh, I know that we've had um, incidents even in America where cosplayers are practically um, demanded to do, oh, sorry, not cosplayers, um, voice actors or guests are demanded they do particular things because this person's lined up for a signing, in, for example. And, like, they're people too. <laughs> Please give them space too. Yeah, because, you know, I, I, I remember you mentioned at the beginning, well, sort of a bit earlier how, it just shocks you that especially for you know events like big events like smash where people absolutely run in yeah. and trample like other people to get that signing token like yeah very much very much that's like it's also the case where um uh, not so much in anime festival because anime festival restricts the goods that you can get signed um, but uh, events like mm-hmm. Smash is a little bit more open where you can take in the things that you want to have signed. And um, some people will actually bring in like a Dorjin comic or like a BL fan oh, art of a particular character. Goods, yeah, yeah, non-official goods. And the voice actors will, they'll sign it knowing, like trying to understand. But they might like not naming anybody because it's not, one person I'm talking about, it's a number of them, have actually commented to me and said, look, I'm okay with fans having their own fandoms, but I prefer not to have it. Or 
my character actually has a, a has a partner so i don't want to see the partner being hurt by having this character shipped by fans with a different person like a different character like they yeah. have noted these things and it does yeah. hurt or affect the people who are the creators behind the series that we all love so it it is very mindful to know that is also the reason why we have events that say that signing sessions can only be for official goods there is a reason why we do have these rules it's not because mm. we're stopping you from having freedom of speech or the the freedom to be creative it's we're trying to protect the creators who had a particular purpose or a particular message they were trying to present which is being misread or misinterpreted in a way that was not intended and the more they realize that something was misinterpreted or misunderstood they're going to get a little bit upset even to a certain degree like even to a small degree that well they obviously didn't produce the creative work well enough for the message to come through clear enough so you know again it's there's nothing wrong with having the freedom to decide how you want to for example um enjoy a particular series or to ship a particular character together but there is a line where you have to draw eventually where you don't bring it to the public in certain spaces and this is one of them mm -mm. it's like knowing it's it's just sort of knowing the time and place for it like yes the convention space is to be enjoyed um you know and and you're kind of allowed to enjoy those things that you love and sort of things that you are passionate about but like it's just really really time and place of when and where you bring it out mm. And like Mai said, it's good to also respect the creators because, you know, like anybody else going in to create something, they have a vision of what they think the characters are and what the characters represent and sort of what kind of story they wanted to tell as well for yeah. the series. Yeah. Like, if you want a specific example, like, this is just something that came out um, that I just remembered, but before Bleach was finished and we didn't know what was going to happen in that final, that very final chapter of Bleach, um, of the manga, guys, of the manga. Um, <gasps> I'm about to scream. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. You know what I'm going to talk about. We I had the about. voice actor of um, Ichigo, the main character of Bleach, come to Smash. So Morita Masakazu came to Smash. And on stage, because Bleach wasn't over, we were kind of halfway through, really, to be honest. We were nowhere near mm. the ending of Bleach. Um, no, we no, had no, an no. open question, and he was open to all questions, mind you. He answered them, each and every single one, very well. And one of them wanted to ask, do you prefer Orihime or Rukia? Right? I think that's an appropriate question to ask in that particular point. Ah, yes. Begin the ship war. Like, yeah. Yeah. But if you're going to ask that after the series has ended, when there is an answer, well, what do you expect him to say? He's not going to go against the official or what is canon. I mean, there are some people who do, like, but it's at that point, it's not really up to them because their character did end up with a certain person rather than who they thought they were going to end up with. Because, like, it yeah. can be debated that they can disagree because of certain context between the characters. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's uh, a 
it's actually really prominent between the two voice actors for Zuko and Katara in the Avatar series. They both believe that <laughs> Zuko and Katara should have been like should have ended up together. Is this yeah? It's really really cute, but I think that's because of you know the chemistry of the cast, obviously, and also definitely, definitely with the 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 characters and context. I think this is where also culture does come into place as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. A Western um, creator is a lot more open to being having their own particular uh, opinion because it's um, allowed for like a healthy debate. It's allowed to have a different opinion, but you're not going to get an, a different answer out of a Japanese voice actor, for example, because being different is not allowed. So if there's an official, they're only going to give you the official answer, regardless of what they personally think. That's to be kept for themselves behind doors for no one in the public to know. Like that's normal. So, um, obviously if you're going to ask questions like that, the, the answer is obvious for a lot of people. So, yeah, yeah. Th- then you have people who don't, who purposely don't make a decision on who they prefer to ship. Like, I've had a few guests who would like to change their answer depending on the day. So they might have a panel on both Saturday and Sunday, and on Saturday they'll say one answer, on Sunday they'll say the I other answer that. on purpose. I love that. To state that they don't have an opinion. Yeah, I love like, that. Like, it's up to the fans or the original creator to yeah. decide. I mean, for me, for me anyway, I, I remember speaking to a friend about this and it's actually a really, really great way of looking at specifically shipping is what we're talking about now, mm. but it's a really great way of looking at shipping certain characters with other characters. And I remember her telling me that because we were having a discussion on um, sort of which fate characters she shipped. Ah. And she mentioned that in one universe she ships, I think it was um, Ozymandias and um, Nefertiti's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she shipped that pairing because obviously they're canon in the the series. But then in another universe she ships Ozzy (laughs) Gills. I think that's a really, I think that's a really healthy way of looking at it. You know, separate your shippings by, you know, the multiverse. Yeah. It just reminds <laughs> me of Reborn. Reborn had a lot of fans like that. They were like, uh, in the normal um, uh, timeline, yeah, yeah. timeline, they preferred this shipping. But ten years later, they preferred this shipping. And when the the time skip yeah. happens and they all go 10 years in the future, then there's a different pairing. And I'm just like, whoa, this is a crazy thing. But yeah, whatever yeah. If it makes sense for you. I think it's I think it's it's really crazy, but it's actually a really, really great way yeah. of looking at it, especially when you compare um, or discuss yeah. pairings with other people or other fans. It's a really great way to look at it so you don't have that clash yeah. there. Um, and you can agree to disagree. That's right. In a good sense, you know, and you can have that discussion where, you know, for instance, I mean, I feel like, yeah, so I've never really had any issues because like the way I see it is if someone ships two characters that I'm not aware were a ship, because that happens sometimes, like sometimes you're in the fandom or you're you're really a big fan of the series and then you don't realize where... A pairing yep. came from because I think one of those pairings that I wasn't really sure about in the uh, uh, the 
FGO fandom specifically. I remember seeing it scrolling up like on my newsfeed on Twitter. And um, regardless of pairing, I always retweet art. If I find the art pleasant to look at and if I enjoy the art, I will retweet it regardless of pairing. But a pairing I didn't understand was, I think it was, um, I think it was Edmund Dantes and uh, who was it? Who was it? I think it might have been Merlin. And I was That's like, awkward. Where did that pairing come from? Have they met? Like, just because in... Yeah, because yeah, cause that's the first thing in my brain. Like, uh, the mice question is actually the first thing in my brain when pairings like that pop up because I'm like, have they met before? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend in the Printer Tennis fandom who was specifically into pairings like that. She particularly yeah. liked pairings. Like the odd pairings. That like... I don't think have ever met before. Yeah, because in my brain... Logically, for me anyway, it makes more sense that if there's a connection there, then you can pair them together. You know, like enemy yeah. versus protagonist, or um, you know, best friend and childhood friend. Like it makes sense in my brain because obviously those characters have a connection. But for yeah. for certain pairings like that, I'm always um really confused. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the only way I can put it. Like, I'm not against it, but... Yeah, I'm not okay. against it. Do but... you want to explain? <laughs> yeah, but, like, can I please get some context for this? Because, like, how did... How? How? <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot when it's a series with a lot of characters. Yeah. Like, and you lose track of who's met who. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen a couple of... I can't remember any at the moment because they were about five years ago, but there's a couple of One Piece pairings like that as well. And I'm like, out of all worlds, <laughs> One Piece is impossible because they travel by ships to from island to island. So if they've never met, they've never met. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for some people, it's also they do it because of the aesthetic. You know, the aesthetic looks Yeah, together, exactly. Which I understand. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if they write it well or draw it well, it's cute. So I'll, look, I'll take it, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, that was that was a really really uh, interesting episode, Mai. I think we actually managed to get through a lot and uh, open that you know crank open that can of worms yeah. <laughs> in the community. Um, look, like we said, it's it's more of a healthy and friendly discussion about this topic. It, it can be a bit touchy for some people. But uh, feel free to share your experiences with us on Twitter, especially at uh, MMI Madness, or if you want to hashtag us at MMI Madness as well, we'd love to hear. Maybe we'll do a post, Mai. I reckon maybe we'll do a post. Yeah, and, let's um, do that. You guys can reply to that in a thread, and then we'd love to read through your comments and um, thoughts because yeah. I think it's always interesting to see, um, you know, what things kind of – um, make you take a step back from joining a fandom or, or yeah. um, you know, wanting to be be part of that, yeah, instead of enjoying the series on your own. Um, yeah, but sadly, I think that's actually all the time we have for today. Thank you guys all so much again for tuning into another episode of Match Made in Madness. Next episode, next episode, we did tease it a little bit earlier, but yeah. we'll be taking a 
deep dive into the behind the scenes of one of Australia's top conventions. And that is Madman Anime Festival. Now, yes, yes. Pudgy, pudgy, pudgy. Uh, We have actually, as you guys know, Mai and I have already previously mentioned Anime Festival multiple times on the podcast uh, because we do work very closely with the team at Madman. But for this episode, so so the next one from this week, uh, we uh, have prepared a very, very special guest to join us on the discussion and give you all the inside details. So please stay tuned and I hope you guys are very, very excited for that. A special thank you also to our lovely friends Masaki Sato from Sound Labs for our music and Miyukiko for our wonderful podcast cover and Twitter art. So don't forget to check out Masaki at www.sound-laps.com and Miyu on Twitter at Miyukiko. And if you guys did enjoy today's episode and you haven't already, please don't forget to check us out on Twitter at MMI Madness, where you can follow us for news about the upcoming episodes and obviously about our healthy discussion coming up. Uh, feel free to tag us otherwise using hashtag MMI Madness and hashtag Matchmade Madness because, again, we haven't said this enough already, we'd love to hear any feedback or experiences that you guys would like to share as well. If you want to follow us individually, you can check out Rai on Twitter and Instagram via at KNRaiKos and myself, Mai, on Twitter and Instagram via at WordsTWorlds. Finally, as always, thank you all so much for listening and sharing your time with us. Stay safe and we'll catch you all in the next episode. Bye, Bye, guys! guys.